Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by our senior pastor, Neil Haney. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. This is an exciting time. Um, I, you know, I've been here a long time, 33 years now, and uh, we've, I've seen ups and downs, and I've seen good times and bad times, and uh, in 2016, it, for all intents and purposes, it seems like our church was dead. We kind of hit rock bottom uh, as, as a church, and these last five years um, have been absolutely uh, a resurrection uh, to life, and uh, I have, Wes and I were just talking, we went to a conference this weekend, uh, Ken Fish, who uh, I've drawn a lot of, of uh, input from in my integrated healing ministry model that we use at our church. Um, uh, Ken, Ken was in uh, Toledo, so uh, when Ken was here, it was Holy Toledo. But anyway, um, we went up to, to the conference and, and took that in, and um, we had a lot of time to talk on the way up. And we were, I mean, Wes just expressed what was on my heart. He said, Dad, I feel like we, every week we just get a little closer to this thing exploding. Like, I can't, even, I can't even describe what's happening. It just feels like something's building and building and building. And it, you can sense it in the spirit. Like, like this morning, it, just, it feels like it's just about to explode. And, and God works that way. And, um, and so super excited about all the things that God's doing already. Our meeting with Kirsten was so encouraging because we know that God's in this to get a youth group going. And uh, so we can't wait till God sends us the person that, and it'll probably be out of the blue, just like it was with Ben Ganson, who was probably our best youth pastor ever. I uh, got a phone call from uh, this guy from Fellowship, Dave Doerr, and he said, I'm sending a guy to you to interview, hire him because he's awesome. His name was Ben Ganson, and Ben came. We hired him as our youth pastor. He eventually became associate pastor here, and he was one of the best investments we ever made, but he just came out of the blue. And so we're please be praying for two things, that the loan will go through so we can re- renovate our children's wing, we can do the playground and get the cafe open, and then, you know, the live streaming and all that goes to a new roof, all that stuff, that's really super important. But we also are praying for God to send us this youth person and our youth couple or whatever. And we're talking 50 bucks a week. That's what we're going to be doing. It's only going to be $2,000, not like 20000 So, we're you know, when we say you know, hiring a part-time youth pastor. We're talking a couple thousand dollars. Um, wanted to give an update on uh, the, the building fund situation. By the way, you guys have gone above and beyond, and as, as you always do, this, this is the most generous congregation I think I've ever heard of, let alone known. Um, we, we now have pledge commitments of uh, almost $2,400, and all we needed was 2000 We have pledge cards out here. This is the last Sunday. If, you're, if you want to pledge anything, uh, we have the, the box out here. We're going to take that down after today. So if you feel led of the Lord to $20 a month, $10 a month, $100 a month, whatever, this is the last time I'll ever mention this pledge card, okay, uh, in, in, until we need to kind of re-up because we're going we're gonna to have to take this up again as we reach the end of next year and, and all that. But... Um, are the, the, you know we, we're we're going year to year, 
And we have a prophetic word that this loan will be paid off in five years. So, you know, uh, we're, I, I, can, I can see that happening as we grow. Uh, but I'm, we're hoping by uh, fall when school starts up that we'll have this entire project done and be ready to, to launch our, our kids into their new home, beautiful home uh, in that kids' wing. Um, right now, we currently have right at $5,000 already accumulated in the building fund. So that's, that's already there. And um, just so excited. And by the way, we're doing super well right now with uh, you guys, with tithes and offerings. I mean, it, it's just amazing. We're, for the first time in a long time, we're not ending the first quarter of the year in the red. We're actually in the black. And uh, thank you for that. Yeah. I want to say one more thing. Before I preach. Well, this is a sermon before the sermon. Yesterday, uh, you know, Wes and I went up to this conference, and, and we had heard Ken speak a couple times, and he usually goes over the same stuff, and so it's just a refresher, and it, I always get more and more fired up to do integrated healing, which is what he, he came up with, that term for healing of, of uh, wounds and memories, and he says... I didn't know this. He, the first time I'd ever heard him say this, but he says 80% of the ministry that he does, he starts out by healing wounds and memories before he goes into deliverance. I didn't know that. I'd never heard him say that before. And that's exactly how we approach integrated healing here. And so, um, but, but we, were, we had the opportunity to have dinner. We sat at the table with Ken and the pastor of the church in Toledo uh, and um, a few other people. And we didn't, I mean, we got invited to this thing because they invited the pastors from the churches to come to this uh, dinner yesterday. And so there were probably 25 people in the room, but we, we, we ended up sitting right at the table. And uh, we didn't know Ken was going to speak to us. We just thought we were going to have dinner and just, you know, have an opportunity to chat. And so the pastor stood up and said, we're going to give Ken an opportunity to say anything he wants to to the pastors of the churches here. And so Ken... Uh, by the way, I'll just explain who he is. Ken Fish uh, was he, he received his his bachelor's degree at Princeton University. Uh, he has a PhD now. I forget where he got that. Uh, he worked for a Fortune 500 company. He told a story about going to China to meet with four-star general of the Chinese army and some other people. Uh, to represent his company for, it's a telecommunication company, and he was competing against AT&T and all these telecommunication companies, and he got the contract, and it was a miracle. God did that for him. So he goes back, gets a big raise, gets a promotion, because he got this multi-million, probably billion-dollar contract. So that's the kind, we're talking about someone, uh, not just some, you know, dude that decided to, you know, start doing deliverance ministry, uh, and he was also, he worked with John Wimber, the f- founder of the Vineyard, for years as kind of a right-hand man there with him. And so he comes with 40-plus years of experience, and, and he, he said to the to pastors, he said, I believe that we are at the beginning of the last Reformation. The, the, the last Reformation we had was 500 years ago when Martin Luther broke away from the Catholic Church and rediscovered grace and faith and salvation through faith and all of that. But he said it's been half a millennium. He said now we're at a place where we need another Reformation. 
And he says, the, the Reformation, if it's going to happen, is going to start with the local churches. It's got to start. You, you're not going to solve this through government. You're not going to solve this through anything but God moving in local churches. And as he began to unpack what the local church needs to look like now, and it doesn't in general, in the West, and he's, he's including Europe, he says Europe is already lost. They're already being taken over by other religions and, and secularism and all that. He said that the United States is kind of the last bastion of, of, um, of true Christianity in the West. And he said, but we don't look like we should. We don't act like we should. We don't, we don't, we're, we're not functioning the way the church should. And he says, here's what the church ought to look like. And at point after point after point, he described this church. He said, we're not doing the work of the... He said, Jesus sent out the disciples to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, and preach the gospel. He said, and that's what he's commissioned the rest of the church to do. And he says, we're not doing it. We're just not doing it. In fact, he said, most of the church... He said 95% of the church in America doesn't even believe in deliverance ministry is a real thing. And, and yet people in this country are so in bondage to demonic oppression. What did Paul say? Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities and powers. It's against the, the rulers of the darkness and the heavenlies. Guys, we're, we're dealing with demonic spirits. Big ones and little ones. And unfortunately, most of the church carries these little demonic parasites around and we don't even know it. And so part of my calling right now, part, I mean, you know, God called me to do something about the pain in people's lives. At, at our wedding, I've told you this before, but Phil, Phil Shank, who married us, he'll be here to speak in two weeks, by the way. Don't miss that message. Dennis is, is preaching next Sunday, our Easter Sunday message, and then Phil's preaching. So we're, we got two weeks off from the... This morning, we'll be halfway through the series that we're doing right now on radical growth. This is chapter 9 or sermon 9, and then we'll have 9 after that, and we're done. But they get better and better, guys. This thing is, we're, so we're building, we're building momentum. We're building one thing, on t- uh, one truth upon another. And, 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 and so the foundation's been laid, and we're just going to keep building until we experience the glory of this thing, of how we grow spiritually, and we understand it, and we can walk into that fullness. But anyway, back to what I was saying. We're, we're actually living out right now as, as, as our church. I'm training people to do this integrated healing to get people healed up from the wounds that they've experienced from their past. Uh, just, you know, the past. I mean, the enemy wants to get us when we're little. He wants to inflict wounds on our soul. And then he wants to, he wants to fill us with these parasites, these demonic parasites of fear and uh, uh, woundedness and or uh, uh, worthlessness and, and and things like shame and and guilt, false guilt, and he just fills us with this stuff so that we're just bound up and we're ineffective because we can't ever overcome our addictions and our sins and our our, our patterns of failure and all, all this stuff that keeps us bound. And then and then you know we're ashamed of ourselves and then we get a spirit of shame that makes it is even more ashamed. And so we just can't do anything because we can't get our eyes off ourselves. And we're bound. And, and at, 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 the, at our wedding, Phil Shank prophesied this. He said, all week long I keep hearing these words, the Spirit of the Lord is upon, upon me. For he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to uh, 
to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captive free, and to release those who are in bondage. Okay, that, that was prophesied over me and Deb, at our, Deb and me at our wedding. Now here we are, you know, three decades later, and it's actually beginning to start happening. God takes his time. Moses was in the wilderness 40 years before he was launched in, in the ministry that God had called him to from the beginning of his life. But it's starting to happen, folks. And here's what I want to say. I'm looking at, I've been praying for years. We've been praying as a prayer team for God to raise up an army of people. A small army like Gideon that would change the world. And you are it. You're it. And you may not feel like it. Neither did Gideon, by the way. He was hiding in a wine press trying to thresh wheat without any wind blowing the chaff away. I don't know how you do that. But he was hiding because he was scared. And the enemy was big and bad and mean and ugly. There, were, there was a... Uh, the, Amorites and the whateverites were, were oppressing the, the um, Mennonites, I think it was. Anyway, they were oppressing the people of Israel. And, uh, and they had been doing this for years, for decades, actually. And so Gideon was scared, and he was hiding. And, and the Lord appears to him. When it says angel of the Lord, it's actually, it means the Lord himself appeared to Gideon in this, in this uh, you know, wine press and says, greetings, mighty warrior. And he's like, who are you talking to? <laughs> he's like, I'm the, I'm the youngest son of the smallest family, of the, the smallest tribe. He was a Benjamite, smallest tribe in Israel. Why would you pick me? Why would he pick Vineyard Northridge? We're not even 100 yet. You know, I mean, we, we've been over 100, but right now, you know, our average attendance is between 75 and 80, I think, for the year. It's actually gone up, by the way. It was last year it was in the, I think, upper 60s, whatever. But God's building an army. And, and so if you remember the story, he takes, he, he, he calls Gideon to be the commander of this army that he's building. And 30,000 men show up. And uh, he says, that's way too, God says, that's way too many. If, if, if you win this battle with 30,000 men, you're going to get the credit. They're going to get the credit. I, I don't want that. He whittles them down to 300 men against an army of 200,000. In, in, the, in the story, it says they couldn't count the camels. They, they were numberless. They were like the sands of the seashore. I mean, they, just the camels alone. They were like tanks. And so God, God takes these 300 men, gives them a broken lantern, a bro, I mean a broken jug and, a, and like a, a, a candle or a lantern. And they surround this army. You can imagine how, how widely spread out 300 men around 200,000 would be. And they light their lanterns and they just raise them and shout. And the enemy turns on itself and just destroys itself. They didn't even, have, they didn't even need a sword. Guys, uh, Springfield's only 65,000. I think the ratio is pretty close to the same. Now, I'm not saying other churches can't, can't do this with us. In fact, I hope they do. But what if they don't? What if it's just us? If, so, so what I'm saying is yesterday as Ken Fish unpacked the seven things that have to happen for God to bring a, a, a reformation, I was checking the boxes. Yes, that's us. Yes, that's us. Yes, that's us. And then he told the story at the end, and it was very challenging. And what wasn't I convicted by this but I, I believe it was a prophetic word, not an indictment on us. 
He said that there was a, there was a church, and this is true, there's a church in, a, in this part of town, and um, that it was, it, the way things were arranged because of some, some construction and so forth, that everyone that entered and, and exited this town pretty much had to drive right past this church. And so they, some uh, church growth company came in, and they were trying to grow, and they were struggling. And, and so the company was going to go out and kind of interview the neighbors, the neighborhood, and find out uh, if they knew what this church believed. And you know what the response was? What church? There's a church? They passed it. Everybody in that town passed that church coming and going every day. And they didn't even know it existed because it had that much influence on the community. And Wes is like, Dad, that's us. I said, yeah, right now. That's true. I mean, we've been out there. We've done things in the community. We've blessed the school. We used to do a 5K for, for the school and put, gave the proceeds to, for the school to buy things that they couldn't, they couldn't buy, uh, with, you know, the government wasn't providing for. We've done business blasts at Christmas where we've taken desserts, you know, like a dessert tray to all the businesses in Northridge. We've done uh, trick-or-treat outreach every year, and this has become the best place to be on, uh, on Beggar's Night. So it's not like we don't exist or we haven't done things. We've done a lot of other things, too. We've gone door-to-door and asked people what they need. And, you know, the first week was great. The second week was not so great. And the third week is like, why don't you leave us alone? So, so they're not really looking for us to do something for them. We tried. It didn't work. Our efforts, you know, it says, unless God builds a house, the workers labor in vain. We were laboring in vain because we weren't doing what the Lord told us to do. We were doing the next great thing, you know, the next great idea that some other church was doing and having success. But God is going to lead this church in how to reach this community. And it will be supernatural. And it will be just like Gideon. And it will look really weird like breaking, you know, jars and lighting candles and shouting. That's the way the walls of Jericho came down. They marched around the city and shouted. None of that made sense to Joshua, who was a military commander before he became the leader of Israel. He was, he was Moses' military commander. And he was sitting on that, that hill looking down at Jericho thinking, how are we going to breach this wall? And the Lord says, here's what you're going to do. You're, you're going to do something really s- stupid and foolish. You're going to march around once every day. And then on the sixth day or seventh day or whatever it was, you march around seven times and then shout. And I'll give you the city. That made no sense to this military commander. He's going to do something like that here. Amen. It's not going to look like church growth like we read about in the church growth books and manuals or at Fuller Seminary or whatever. But I'm telling you, folks, I'm saying prophetically today that this church will be used of God to reach this community and turn us back to God or turn the community back to God. And that's going to happen over and over and over again throughout this nation. I really believe our best days are ahead of us. If we seek the Lord, God says in 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, we've been doing that. For the last seven and a half years, we've been humbling ourselves and praying every day downstairs around the fireplace. We have a prayer meeting all but Saturday, which is interesting. Anyway, the Sabbath, but... um, Take one day off. But we've been praying for this. And God answers prayer. 
Ask and you shall receive. Seeking you'll find. Knocking the door will be open. We've been asking, seeking, knocking for seven and a half years. It's going to happen. It's just a matter of when and how. How is God going to do this? Is what I'm saying making sense? Is that exciting to you? I, I don't know. It's, to me, it's exciting. Wes is right. I, I feel like something's going to break. Something's about to break. It's a matter of, of, of God's timing. But God's timing will happen. And we will see the salvation of the Lord. People living in darkness will see a great light. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.